loneliness, like chronic loneliness, does the same damage to your body as having 15 cigarettes or six alcoholic drinks per day. My dad didn't tell me he loved me until I was about 23. Dad's a loving man. And it's beautiful watching Trev, my dad, with the grandkids. So when dad told me the first time at 23, 24 he loved me, I felt awkward. Like, weird Trev, like, you all right? Now I embrace it. Ever gone home tired, cranky, distracted, and you then give everyone at home feedback? None of you listen, you're not doing anything, what's wrong with this house? You ever gone home calm, centered? chilled and then find everyone is adapting. That's called social contagion theory. Optimize performance through adapting your physical, psychological and emotional state. Hi, it's Andrew and welcome to this week's podcast, which is a little bit of a different one. This is a recording of a live event I recently did on my newest keynote, which is called The Power of Human Connection. I'm often asked, so what do you talk about at a keynote or what is it like when you interact with an audience? So this will give you an insight into two things. One is what it's like to do a keynote that I run, but more importantly, the message on connecting as human beings, it's never been more important. After COVID, we had three years of experiments of lockdown and Zoom and Teams meetings and trying to work and live in a totally different way. One of the things that showed us, and this has popped up in all of our work across defense work we're doing, government work, uh, private industry, a lot of work I do with high net worth individuals as well, is we all cherish those relationships. We all cherish that connectivity. We all cherish human belonging. This podcast is the keynote that has come out of that, that lesson and that learning that as humans we need to have regular connection. It is my privilege to be able to introduce a incredible keynote speaker for today, Andrew. Now, Andrew May is considered one of Australia's leading speakers on human performance, resilience, and all things leadership. He has a very long list of career achievements of which I'm going to try and do justice to sharing some of them with you. They include coaching multiple national Olympic athletes in a range of different sports. He was the physical performance manager for the New South Wales and Australian cricket teams, was a partner at KPMG for a number of years, is the best-selling author of a book called Match Fit, which will be a gift for each one of you by the end of this evening. Um, he also um, was the CEO and founder of a digital wellbeing consultancy, Strive Stronger, and has a segment on the ABC News Breakfast. No, one more, two more, two more, give me two more. And it's because there's a good one for any rugby league fans. Oh, I can do that one. Right, mental, he's the mental skills coach for the Manly Eagles and used to be for the human being with some awesome stories. He despises the word hacks, so don't ask for one. I learned that the hard way. And he wants Abseil into a speaking engagement, which I really hope you are going to tell us about. I don't know if you will. And so without further ado, I'm handing you over to Andrew. Ryan, thank you so much. Thank you. What I uh what, what a lively bunch. I see Buzz Lightyear, we got Popeye, and we got a lot of woos. Now, I, I've done some research for this. Uh, I've been researching, I just recently had a significant birthday, so let's say I've been drinking alcohol for 30 plus years. Who's BWS Dubbo, where I grew up? Dubbo here? Little Hello, what's your name? Belinda. Belinda, how are you? It's your area, okay. So I, I live uh, around Kirribilli. Where's Kirribilli BWS? <laughs> Kirribilli, not here? <laughs> Okay, Miller Street, North Sydney. I've done a lot for your business over the years. Yeah. So I felt um, I've supported BWS. It was lovely when we chatted to, to, you know, reciprocate to do some business on the opposite side. I, I think the, the only brief I'd done where I'd done more research was with the Telstra Collection Centre when I was living in Hobart as a middle distance athlete. I went and did a keynote in Tasmania and I, I said, oh, hi, I think I've spoken to some of you. And there was a lady there yes, that said, yeah, Carol, hi, Andrew. And I said, Carol, because she'd ring me that much. I was a struggling athlete. She knew my number. I said, do you really know my number? She went, oh, four. So that was better briefing than I've done for BWS. So thankfully, since then, I've started paying my Telstra bills. 
my background, because you're probably thinking, why is this guy here to talk to us about performance? Who loves physicality, psychology? Woohoo, rah rah. Okay. Who thinks uh, when someone like me jumps up on stage, a word that rhymes with banker but starts. <laughs> Good, just want just to find out where everyone is at. A lady there went, oh shit, I shouldn't be saying that. Okay. So, uh, my, my background, there's three hats that I wear in the corporate world. So the first hat I wear is with Strive Stronger. We're like table eight on The Wedding Singer. We're an eclectic bunch building a digital, physical and psychological well-being platform. So that's one of the hats I wear. The second hat I wear is under my own business. I do keynote speaking. I do coaching for a lot of executives. Does anyone watch News Breakfast if you don't want to wake up to today? If you're sick of Koshi, well, we've got Shervo now, uh, but switch on to ABC, write books and I have a podcast. The third hat is working with elite athletes. And that's a lot of where I really combine my experience as an athlete and studying psychology and physiology. So work with Mighty Manly Seagulls. Where are the Manly supporters? Yay! Yay! All three of us. <laughs> and I work with this young man, uh, wonderful young man, Tim Zhu as well, who is literally conquering the world. Yeah, done a fair bit around sport performance. That's it on me, because the rest of today is about you. But these are the four literal people, plus five if you add the furball, now, don't take this the wrong way, but they don't give us stuff that I'm working with you tonight. Yeah. Archie, my son, he loves that I work with the Navy and he loves that I work in sport, but he doesn't really care who else I work with. So what I have to do is when I walk home is transition to be dad because they want me to be present. Does anyone have trouble with that when you've had a really busy day at work? You go home up the back. Yes, thank you for putting your hand up. And your partner, family member, flatmate, friend says, how was your day? And you tell them, we had a 7 a.m. strategy meeting. Then we did the 8 a.m. meeting. We're going BWS app. We're getting rid of cooler. And, and you go through line by line. I've been listening by line. And then your partner or loved one says, you could have just said it was busy, dipshit. <laughs> is, it, is it just me that has that problem? <laughs> okay, good. We're in the right room. So let's take a look at your last three years. It's been quite crazy around Australia. We've had fires in all states. The opposite of fires is floods. The Hawkesbury has had three one in 100 year floods in 18 months. Nature's not keeping score of the maths. We had a thing called COVID. You're all, all around Australia, right? So for those of you in Queensland, what happened? Um, in, in most other states, we had to work from home. In Queensland, you just went sucked in. We're Queenslanders and how good is it living here? Where are my Queenslanders? Yeah. <laughs> Then as far as conferences, this is what conference centers looked like. We went to online and it was really awkward, wasn't it? When we started doing online work. Uh, Steve, you're on mute. Uh, Jim, we can see you're not wearing pants, mate, when you stand up. <laughs> so, is, where's Jim? <laughs> Love you, there's always a Jim. Good on you, Jim. But mate, wear pants on, on Zoom meetings, okay? And we've had some changes in politics. We've had changes in federal, we've had state and local. Is anyone else feeling a little bit fatigued and there's a bit going on? There's a war in the Ukraine as well. That's led to supply issues in every industry sector I work with. And then apparently we're heading into a recession, interest rates are going up. And if you talk to the average person, it feels a little bit depressing what's happened in the last three years. So can everyone just turn to the person next to them, please turn and just say, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, it's going to be okay, Jim. <laughs> All right, thank you. What a, what a lively bunch, a lively bunch. Now, the serious part of what's come out of COVID, you see a lot of this in your communities. You see loneliness. One in four Australians are experiencing loneliness at a high level. One in two people are feeling extended periods without isolation, connection, belonging, post-COVID. So this is a real challenge we have. This is your staff as well. The average one of you has about 40 direct reports. That does my head in. Now, I struggle with a team of nine or 10, but we know loneliness is linked to mental illness. We know it is linked to depression. We know extreme cases, it's also linked to people attempting their lives. We know loneliness, is connected to poor health behaviors. Look at this statistic. 
loneliness, like chronic loneliness, does the same damage to your body as having 15 cigarettes or six alcoholic drinks per day. But when I look at the statistics on this, loneliness is an epidemic. The UK has a minister for loneliness. United Arab Emirates has a minister for happiness. It says a lot about those countries, what they call it. Okay? Same thing, it's a minister in government looking at the loneliness epidemic. This underpins a lot of what I do, the work I do. The opposite of loneliness is connection. But we look at individual loneliness, we have in the workforce what's called disengagement. We know less than one out of five employees is actively engaged, meaning they go to work and they love what they do for you. Two out of five are the active terrorists. They hate it and they'll tell everyone about it. My employee is an asshole and I do whatever I can to sabotage the business. <laughs> and that leads about, have you done the maths? Two out of five who are the swinging voters. So I really want to target the two out of five and the active terrorist to make sure that they feel more engaged in work. Because these are the statistics. Has anyone in the room got friends, really good friends, who are on the back end of the three years, constant change, your life as well. We have relationships, sometimes come out of relationships, have kids, this whole thing called life, trying to navigate this. As we get more mature, it's then looking after parents are getting elderly, which is happening to my father right now. But you're a, you're a young audience. What's the average age? 31, 32? Jim, what's the average age here, Chad? In the room? 30s? <laughs> Jim's, Jim's been told, just run with it. <laughs> so we've got a lot going on at work, outside that, and in our lives. Would you agree? So today I want to focus on what you can do as leaders, what, what you can do for yourself, and then the ripple effect will help people around you. Hey, it's me. Just a quick note, I'd love you to subscribe to the Performance Intelligence Podcast. And I know you probably hear this on so many other podcasts and like me, you switch off. But can I ask you to please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe. And while you're there, extra bonus, leave a rating and review. That's it. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Before COVID, I released a book and thank you, everyone's getting a copy, which still excites me when people buy my book. Doesn't mean it's shit. I just like that people. Have <laughs> <laughs> you got, yeah, oh, we got heaps of copies. How many do you want? <laughs> and one of the six chapters we wrote about Dr. Tom Buckley, associate professor at Sydney Uni, a really brainiac, but he's also connected. You can talk to him. And we wrote about move, fuel, connect, think, recharge and play. And when I look at the chapter on connect, we looked at how do you connect with yourself? What is your purpose? Or sometimes people go, that's a bit too deep for me. What keeps you excited or what keeps you going? We looked at connecting with others. We looked at connecting with communities and we looked at connecting with nature. We had no idea that this was going to be a real tool for us to lever going into COVID where we all felt so disconnected. Let's have a look at this footage and let's have a look at if I've spoken about loneliness, I've spoken about disengagement, let's look at connection and let's look at love, actually. Whenever I get gloomy with the state of the world, I think about the arrivals gate at Heathrow Airport. General opinion is starting to make out that we live in a world of hatred and greed. But I don't see that. It seems to me that love is everywhere. Often it's not particularly dignified or newsworthy, but it's always there. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, old friends. When the planes hit the Twin Towers, as far as I know, none of the phone calls from the people on board were messages of hate or revenge. They were all messages of love. If you look for it, I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. I wasn't sure whether I was going to do the next bit, but I am. I'm going to step into the abyss and you might kick me out and never work with me again. Can you turn to the person next to you? And if you don't like them, move. <laughs> All right. There's always one gym, isn't there? Can you turn to the person next to you? Tell them who is the last person you told you love in a meaningful way without texting your mobile phone, without doing something else, who was the last person you told that you love? <coughs> Have a quick chat with the person next to you. <laughs> who, would like to, who would like to share? 
Does anyone like to share? Yeah, hands up. A lady in the middle, who did you tell that you loved? Uh, my daughter, last night, when mm. I said goodnight to her. Oh, lovely. How old is your daughter? She's 12. 12. So she's at that age where she still probably says, oh, that's nice, mum. 13, 14. <laughs> You're a loser. <laughs> Love it. Keep doing it. Even when you lose your kids, they come back, right? In teenage years. Who else has told someone recently? Yes. How are you going? We're the two new grandmas in the room. So Get out of here. Really? Yeah, average age is still 30. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Joe and I actually had phone calls with our daughters and our little grandbaby girls just before we came here. Beautiful. Hotgrandmas.com. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I say stuff that should probably stay inside my head. <laughs> I love that. Keep doing it. I had a couple of women. Come on, guys, balance it out. We want a bit of equality. Come on. Yes, you told Jim. <laughs> Who did you tell? Uh, as uh, my son, actually. Oh, beautiful. Moment a couple of days ago. Um, other than that, it's generally the dog every night. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? What's your name? Steve. Steve, love the honesty. It's easier to tell the dog, the animal, I love you. How old is your son? Uh, 23. Oh, I got goosebumps. My dad didn't tell me he loved me until I was about 23. Cause, and dad, dad's a loving man. I see him with my kids now. I've got four, I collect them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's beautiful watching Trev, my dad, with the grandkids, because his generation, so some of you, your parents, especially your dad's that post-World War II, ugh, People here are going, I think he's talking to me. <laughs> so when dad told me the first time at 23, 24, he loved me, I felt awkward, like, oh, weird trips, like, you all right? Now I embrace it, yeah? So I love that you're telling that to your son. I love it. Oh, we just got deep, didn't we? I thought we were gonna be talking about human connection, but really human connection is all about love. You've got a beautiful model and I love it because it's inside out, starting with your purpose. I'm gonna flip that, we're gonna talk about three things. One is your individual purpose, your ikigai, as the Japanese would say, your why. And if you don't have that and you don't feel you're ready to do that, what is it outside work that gives you passion, pleasure, and makes you interesting at a dinner party? Yeah, we all know that person who's the age group triathlete, who's you know, eating noodles and vegan and not drinking because they got a triathlon on the weekend. Like, get a life. <laughs> Then two, I'm going to go through a formula for you which will be quite different as far as how you connect in relationships. Because <laughs> I could go through all the mechanics of you know, body language and looking at all that type of work, but I think connection starts with your physiology, which underpins your psychology, which is the mood that you have when you walk into a room. When you walk into a room, does the room light up? Or does the room light up when you walk out? And the third thing we're going to talk about social contagion, which is all those three things combined. So let's talk about personal purpose. When we look at tribes around the world, there's this guy named Dan Butner, really handsome looking man, looks like an actor. And he wrote a book called Blue Zones. Who's familiar with Blue Zones? And he looked at about six or seven characteristics that tribes around the world do when the average person in those tribes lives to 100 plus. They looked at the Seven Day Adventists on the West Coast in America, Tititaka up near the border of Pakistan. They looked at Lima Limu. They looked at the Okinawans. They also looked at Sicilians. And there's a couple of others around the world that they're still experimenting. Now, it's interesting when I say that to groups, who, who's excited about living to 100 plus? Four people. What a miserable bunch. <laughs> Is it just me? Who's, who's sitting here thinking, droughts, floods, COVID, economic change? Who's sitting here thinking, I can't put up another three years of this shit? <laughs> right, so I'll, I'll reframe again. Who would love to live to 100 plus as long as you're energetic, physically and psychologically? Right, okay. Welcome to Night of the Museum. So, what these tribes do, the factors when they're really connected is they focus on community. Duh. In Japan, the Okinawans, when their parents get old, they don't put them in a nursing home. They put them in the garage. That doesn't sound right, does it? Like they, they, they will build a hospice or they'll, they'll make room in the garage or they'll move them back in. Because it's like you and my mum and dad, you honoured me. I love you. I'm going to pay it back by looking after you rather than putting you in a home. What they found with these groups as well, they drink on a daily basis. 
imagine if I came to BWS and said they don't drink. <laughs> but they drink. <laughs> Do your research, Andrew. Yeah? But, but they drink a little bit. They don't drink a lot. Okay? It's a little bit. They're spiritual. And that spirituality doesn't mean that they are all religious. That's one part of spirituality. But they are connected to a purpose greater than them. Yeah? They tend to live in communities where they still do a lot with their hands. They'll garden market vegetables. They don't, I'm sorry, where's, where's my app guy? They actually walk to the shops rather than ringing Jimmy, right? Yeah, because <laughs> otherwise Jimmy gets fit and we stay at home. Yeah, you know how that plays out. And what these groups do as well, even in their 90s plus, they have wonderful intimacy and connection. They are still having lots of sex, active, crazy sex in their 90s. <laughs> Did you say in the garden? In the garage. <laughs> That's good. Now, I say that and some people go, oh, I'm too tired for that. <laughs> I've got too much going on. But if we look at these patterns around tribes around the world, let's just pull some of those out. You've got a wonderful community. They move every day. They don't have big gym memberships. We call that the active couch potato. They go to the gym you know, for 60 minutes of a morning and then they sit around all day. They move all day. But the big thing that these tribes do is they have a purpose, a purpose coming together. Now, I remember driving along, Mickey's now 15, so it was about seven years ago. We're driving along just down the road from here. And I heard her in the back of the car say, Dad, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I looked and I saw her blue eyes and big blonde hair. I said, Mickey, that's a beautiful question, darling. I said, look, at that stage I was at KPMG. I said, I'm enjoying KPMG, but I think I'd like to get back into sport and maybe study. I said, but look, darling, what do you want to do when you grow up? And she said, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a school teacher and a hairdresser. <laughs> and I said, darling, they're beautiful choices. I heard hairdressers are really useful. Yeah. <laughs> And I thought that was a really good joke and it went over my kid's head. Yeah. And I said, but a school teacher, that's a wonderful job, darling, because school teachers teach lots of other people and then they can go out and change the world. And I could see Archie next to her. Archie was five at that stage, jumping up and down. Arch, what do you want to be when you grow up? Dad, when I grow up, I want to be a merman and a tightrope walker. <laughs> and I can still remember, I said, Arch, they are great choices. And he said, thanks, Dad. Like I'm actually giving him some advice. I said, you can do anything you want, mate, but I don't think you can be a merman and a tightrope walker at the same time. <laughs> and he went, yeah, thanks, Dad. Went over his head. But I thought, isn't it beautiful? Michaela was wanting to be a hairdresser or a school teacher. Archie, a merman, it shows that his sister was watching lots of mermaid videos in this politically correct world, and also a tightrope walker. Can I get you to check in with the person next to you? What do you want to be when you grow up? Who was just talking about what do you reckon you're going to have for dinner? I don't really like it. I love the energy in the room. Anything really exciting? Do you want to share something your partner said? Yes. Oh, hot granny's dog coming with us. <laughs> Why don't you, you two come up the front? I love you guys. What, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? Sharon wants to be a celebrant. I, I think that's amazing. Awesome. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do when I retire, which is all like, almost like, what am I going to want to do when I grow up? Yeah. I've been um, looking at studying to be a celebrant, so a celebrant is weddings, funerals, and events. My sister is a celebrant, true story. I, I reckon you'd be a wonderful celebrant. Keep your foot in BWS, because I reckon you're going to have a bit of a tip in at the back end of the weddings as well. <laughs> uh, up the back, who's got one they want to share? Fiona. <laughs> Fiona, what, would you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Max and I spoke about this. We're really quite content at the moment. <laughs> we're doing what we're doing now. I love that. We're content doing what we're doing now. And if we look at the French word for that, anyone in the room French? I learned French at St. John's Dubbo. So I finished school in Dubbo. So for me, this is raison de tray, and that's a really good French accent. But it is the reason or purpose for being. The French have got this right. The Japanese call it ikigai. So if you're happy and content now, give yourselves a high five. Because I think sometimes we're always searching, you know, looking for this big picture. And I could get deep with you on purpose. Yeah? And if you really wanted to craft out your personal purpose, it takes three to four months. But who's busy at the moment and doesn't have enough time, energy or attention for everything they've got in their life currently? Nearly everyone in the room. Don't do your purpose just yet. Supplement. And I don't mean vitamin B. 
or the non-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K, supplement to put activities in your life that fuel you and give you energy. Because if it's all work and no play, Jack or Jill becomes a dull boy or a dull girl. Now, this is that whole engagement piece that I think we stuff up when we go only 90% of people are engaged. Well, you don't just have to be fully engaged rocking into work every single day. And if you do, you're probably on something. <laughs> You're going to have ups and downs, highs and lows. Who, who enjoys work most of the time? Who has some shitty days? I teach this stuff. Have more good days than shitty days and then supplement outside. Life's going to be pretty good. That's why I don't like the word hack. Let's do a hack. Let's download this. And I'm like, let's not do a hack. Okay? Because it's insinuating that you can you know, just trash your body, not do any development, and then take a pill, a potion, a bottle of lotion, and everything's going to be fine. You've got to do a bit of work on this. So I love those of you connecting with family. I was once told by a client I had many years ago, a very wise, wise man. He said, Andrew, relationships, family is like a garden. You have to nurture it, you have to water it, you have to love it, and you have to take care for it. If you don't, it's going to get really weedy and shitty. So just think about what can you do to supplement. Now, if you've got your weapon of mass distraction, you can pull it out and scan that QR code. And I have a bunch of podcasts on a lot of content we're talking about, and there's two on purpose where we can get a little bit deeper. But for now, I love up the back when you said, we're really happy right now. I love hearing that. Awesome. Awesome. And if you're sitting there thinking, I need to do a bit of work on this, great. Dig in, do a little bit of work outside and supplement. Find some areas that give you pleasure, joy, and fun. Number two I'm going to talk about tonight is the notion of down-regulating. And I go back to 1894. Who was around then? 1894. <laughs> You're looking awesome for 1894. <clears throat> So in 1894, there was this little Frenchman named Pierre de Coubertin who carved out what's called the Olympic motto or the Olympic creed. And it is Sitius Altius Fortius. Does anyone know what Sitius Altius Fortius means? Higher, faster, stronger. Ooh, yes. Faster, higher, stronger. And then that rolled in to the early 1900s and then we digitized and that's rolled into the 2000s and beyond. So think about those words. Faster, higher, stronger, double digit growth, market penetration. We want everyone swiping on apps. It's all moving in the right direction. Up, 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 up. What did the little Frenchman miss though in relation to sustainability and pleasure and joy? If it's just faster, higher, stronger, what do we miss? Who said that? Oh, I've asked this question about 20 times and not one person has said recovery. Love that you've said that, awesome. Faster, higher, stronger recovery or sitius, altius, fortius, rucopatio is the Latin word for recovery. And if you can build in recovery, especially before you step into important conversations, who's had a conversation recently that they look back in hindsight and they could have done it a little bit better at work or at home? <laughs> Is anyone in the room perfect? I'm just <laughs> Now, invariably, it's because we're spending so much time on social media. I had a friend who said to me last year, she said, Andy, I'm 39. She said, I can't get a date with a real guy on Saturday night, but I've got thousands of friends on social media. What has gone wrong with the world? Now, I look at my social. Back in 1990, who was around in 1990? Put your hand up. <laughs> <laughs> so can, can, any, can you just put your hand up? Who was born 1990 onwards? About a third of the room, stuff you all. <laughs> feel my back sore. And, you know. <laughs> but do you realize back in 1990 in Australia, that's when most people got email? Yeah, I know, mum and dad, for those of you, are archaic, so am I. So back in 1990, we had two inboxes. You had your mailbox and you had email. How many inboxes does the average person have now? You have Facebook, if you have a wearable device, you have that, you have LinkedIn, you have Twitter. Don't muck up Twinder and Titter, and uh, so Twitter and Tinder. <laughs> I even mucked that up, tell me, didn't I? I was emceeing a forum at KPMG. We had a CEO of a large publicly listed company and he said, yeah, the, the marketing team, they've got me on Tinder. 
This is a very well-known Australian businessman. And I'm emceeing, I said, Tinder? He said, yeah, yeah, the little blue bird. I went, it's Twitter. <laughs> Don't tell your wife. <laughs> so we spend all this time getting social that our central nervous systems are jacked. Invariably, when you walked into that situation, personal or at work, and you weren't listening to someone, your attention was drawn elsewhere. Sitius, Altius, Fortius, and Rucopardio. I want you to start thinking about how do I downregulate? And from a, a construct, downregulation is twofold. Physiological, it's dropping your heart rate and your body systems. Psychological, it's this psychological detachment where you calm the brain and you're not thinking about lots of different things. Now, I learned this in sport. I was a good runner, not great. I, mean, I won multiple state championships had a scholarship at the Institute of Sport, went down there in Tasmania. I had two goals, so I love the lighthouse story. I had two goals as a runner. One was to break the four minute mile and two was to go to Sydney Olympics. And I, I did neither. It's a depressing part of tonight, isn't it? <laughs> so I got into consulting. And <laughs> but what I did learn about getting to a good level is I didn't get recovery right. I thought if I just go faster, higher, stronger, I'll get to that next level. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Why one of the three hats I wear is mental skills and I'm so passionate about it. So from a physiological response, when we hit stress, everything goes up. Blood pressure, heart rate, muscle tension, it all goes up. Breathing rate, everything goes up. One thing comes down, you see on that, slow brainwave patterns. Why do you need as leaders of BWS, why do you, as custodians of the culture, for you to get to 1500 stores and, and beyond, it's exciting your vision, it's, it's really exciting. Why do you regularly need to have your physiology slowing down, the opposite, to be increasing slow brainwave patterns? What do slow brainwave patterns allow you to do? Make good decisions, emotional regulation, <laughs> Who's ever made a stupid remark when they're hijacked their autonomic nervous system? Stuff you, stuff your horse, and this is what, and then after you, oh, what did I say? So as leaders, this is a whole different way of thinking about communicating. Can I just think about your day, Sitius, Altius, Fortius, and Rucopardio. Faster, higher, stronger, and downregulate. And especially when you have a tense conversation with a staff member, supplier, someone internal, think about breathing. Think about down-regulating before you go into that discussion. And I know this is basic. Who's heard this sort of stuff before? Not everyone. Who would say that they do it as a performance habit? They do it all the time. One person in the room. So there's a major opportunity to build this into your operating rhythm. And if I look at athletes, I still can't believe she's retired. Yeah, I love Ash. The tennis players bounce the ball. They have 20 seconds in between games. I'll give you a tip. The balls come out of the can bouncy. It's down regulation. I used to think my cricketers, I used to laugh at them. Why are you doing gardening out in the middle of these pitches around the world? I'd go, you idiots, you morons. There's rollers that are three ton that do it for you. They go, no, Maisie, it's our way of getting ready for the next ball. My netballers will pivot the ball. The balls pivot, we know that. They're made to pivot in the factory. When I was working at Parramatta last year, I said, so guys, what do you do to downregulate? And they said, well, we play the Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> big guy here, my brother from another mother, the big beard, you like that one? Who do you support? The Sharks. The Sharks, hey, you're going to bouncing a little bit, but, but we'll get Nico back. So sports got loud lessons, right, about go hard and then recover, go hard and then recover. So what I wanna to do tonight before we go to drinks is I wanna build in the power of three. Because if I say, all right, my BWS leaders, we're going to do a 13 minute activity to downregulate. You'll go, this is the shittest shit shit show I've ever been to. Because <laughs> a lot of us don't have 30 minutes, but I'm gonna give you some activities to do in 30 seconds. And if you tell me you haven't got 30 seconds, you seriously need to get a life. Yeah? So you can downregulate in 30 seconds before you go into a meeting. I'm going to show you how to do it. And then when you do that a little bit more, you can then add in, God forbid, some three-minute activities. And then when you do those two, you will find some time down the track to put in some of the 30-minute. But let's just go 30 seconds and three minutes. Now, the first one, 
you can't do this in your store is put a warm towel on the ice. Hey man, I'll be with you soon. I'm just down regulating. <laughs> Enjoy the tunes. <laughs> this is something you'd have to do at home. Humming. Let's uh, sing Mary Poppins, A Spoonful of Sugar. And I know this sounds really stupid and you're going to feel awkward, but we'll do it together after three. One, two, three. Keep going. Just notice the vibrations. Keep going. Look at the person next to you. Have a hum off. Okay, stop. Close your eyes. Stop. Close your eyes and stop, and do you feel the vibration? When you hum, your voice box or your larynx is really close to the vagus nerve. Vagus comes from the Latin word vagus, which means wandering, the wandering desert. Your brain and heart are connected by the vagus nerve. So when you activate that vagus nerve, and breathing is one of the ones that we've all heard about, but through simple humming, it's a downregulation activity you're walking into a potentially hostile conversation. You don't have time to put a towel on your eyes. You're feeling too hijacked to breathe. Just hum. Who in the room has young children that they know of? <laughs> I can't do that joke with everyone. I got told, Andrew, some of your jokes are inappropriate in this mud. I'm like, lighten up, princess. I can't say that. <laughs> Who's got kids? Young kids. What do young kids do? Fight, <laughs> make me stressed, stuff up my sex life. Yeah, so what, what, what do young kids do to self-soothe? They hum. And they'll often get a blankie and they'll just sing or hum together. Nature gives us lessons around this. The other one is the physiological sigh. Let's all do that. The physiological sigh I borrowed or adapted from Andrew Human, a wonderful neuropsychologist. I can hear you all going. So we're going to breathe in through your nostrils. Let's go breath in. And the second one, and go, and breathe out. If you haven't brushed your teeth for a few days, breathe down. <laughs> Let's go, we're gonna do four or five of those together. Let's go in. Good, louder the better. In. Give me three more by yourselves, go. In. Now we're giggling. Why is it all the men with beards are giggling the most? Okay, stop. How did you feel? Who felt a little shift? Who felt like an idiot? <laughs> so what I say to all of my athletes You've got to do reps and sets. You've got to practice these down-regulation activities in a non-stressful environment, yeah? So then you can call on them when you need them the most. They're automated. Now, depending, some of my footballers go, do this shit outside, so then in the game you can use this shit. Got it. <laughs> I shouldn't make the joke, because some of my footballers are studying psychology and are wonderful, intelligent young men. But you've got to practice this stuff outside the normal work environment. So then when you get stressed, or you've done some of the breathing activities, and I guarantee you do the reps and sets on this, it then kicks in when you need it most. Hi, it's Angela Poon. I'm thrilled to share some exciting news about the new venture Andrew and I have been working on together. Over the past five years, we've been managing two separate businesses, andrewmay.com and strivestronger.com, which has led to some confusion in the market. So to streamline our offerings and make it easier for our clients to engage with us, we've taken the best of both worlds through our learnings over the past few years, delivering large-scale programs to our corporate clients, and we have created the Performance Intelligence Academy. Based on invaluable feedback from our clients, this new offering provides a much clearer, scalable, and more comprehensive solution. Now, our approach begins with an assessment of both the physical and psychological energy through our Live Life Score, as well as an evaluation of mental skills to establish a baseline through our mental skills calculator. From there, our performance toolbox serves as a personal coach in your pocket 
providing resources and tools to enhance well-being, boost productivity, and develop leadership capacity. In this toolbox, we have engaging micro-lessons on influencing, coaching, energy optimization, personal productivity, and mental resilience. Our platform offers access to engaging webinars, community pages for networking, and a wealth of templates and learning resources. In addition to our digital offerings, we also specialize in hosting engaging events, including keynote presentations and workshops featuring a diverse range of presenters to keep participants energized and engaged. If you're looking to elevate the productivity and well-being of your team, we invite you to reach out to us. Whilst our new website will be launching in the coming months, you can inquire for more information through andrewmay.com. Stay tuned for further updates. Exciting things are on the horizon, so watch this space. We're going to do breathing, and up the back, guys, I'll get some uh, tunes in a moment, some nice relaxed tunes, but if it's Miley Cyrus, I'll come up and I'll headbutt you. It's a nice relaxed music. Who, who knows what box breathing is? Okay, who knows what breathing is? <laughs> Great. Who knows what a box is? Cool, this is like, this is like play school. <laughs> so you combine the two together. Box breathing is when you get cardiac coherence, where your brain and your heart is in sync, not like in sync 90s band. Anyone born 90s above? Anyone bought 90s below thinks I'm a dick. So in sync, your breathing, we get cardiac coherence when you get your breathing rate between about three and seven BPM, three to seven breaths per minute. But I'll make it easy, we'll do four. So four breaths per minute, which is roughly four in, hold, four out, hold, is enough in a three minute activity to totally change your physiology. Citius, altius, deltius, Fortius, it's the down regulation. When I ask people who knows about box breathing, and they go, yeah, yeah, I do. Where'd you get it from? Oh, I heard Jocko Willink, Navy SEAL. Go, yeah, the Navy SEALs do box breathing. They teach them in bud school. I'm actually excited, we're starting to work with Navy. Our, our equivalent of Navy SEALs are, are you ready? Clearance divers. <laughs> I think we've got a marketing problem in the Australian Navy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a Navy SEAL, well, I'm a clearance diver. I'm gonna to talk to the SEAL. But the work we're starting to do with our clearance divers is they don't do anything around these mental skills. So we're doing a few pilot programs at the moment, which I'm loving. And the Navy SEALs didn't get box breathing or they didn't invent it. They got it from the yogis in India who've been doing it for two and a half thousand years. So let's practice. We'll have some nice tunes. Thank you. We're going to breathe in for four seconds through your nostrils in. And then hold for four seconds. Out, and you, your mouth's got to look like a cat's bum, pursed lips, go. And then hold for four seconds. And I'll take you that through a couple of cycles. We've got some nice, easy, relaxing tunes. Thank you. Let's go. Just watch my finger. We're going to do the box breathing. In, let's go. In. And hold. Two, three, four. Out. Hold. Two, hold. Three, Four in, hold, two, three, four, and then out, hold, two, three, four. Do three or four by yourself, keep going. What do you feel in the room right now? What do you feel? Relaxation. Relaxation, calm, what else? Quiet, stillness. Now, I love the MC. When I walked in the room, I could feel energy, laughter, upbeat, great. Dropping that, it's only three minutes. We've all got three minutes, and you've practiced this in a non-pressurized environment, so you can draw on those skills when you need them most. Now, for a lot of people, it kicks in with this. When you're with nature, a bubbling brook, or when you're in a beautiful nature scene. So just listen to that noise. Who gets transported on this? You can, yeah, about two thirds of the room. Now the Greeks have this beautiful word that they've adapted, which is called biophilia, the feel good effect of nature. So if we're stacking what I'm talking about today, have a clearly articulated purpose or an ikigai. And if you're too busy, too distracted, too tired, just supplement, do some activities in your life that make you interesting, give you meaning and some pleasure. 
And then we're going to downregulate before you go into key performance moments. Who doesn't think that this could help them before they go into a stressful conversation? All of us, we know this and it's basic physiology. But what do we do when we get stressed? It's like we're at the casino, we throw all the cards out, dump, 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 rather than going back to basic physiology. Now, when we stack this for number three, this is what we call social contagion. Or oh, before I do social contagion, uh, we put together a whole bunch of resources on this. So I don't use this, we don't use this for any marketing purposes. We don't put you on any list. We've put together with our wonderful organizers a whole bunch of resources. There's some videos to watch, some articles to read and some podcasts to listen to. So if you wanna know more about the down regulation activities, if you wanna know more about purpose, if you wanna know more about social contagion, you can go there and download to your heart's content. And if you don't download it, I'll, I'll feel sad, but I'll get over it. So we've purely put that together because I'm conscious I've got 45 minutes with you, about three to go. There'll be some people in the room going, yeah, I've got all this stuff. Got it. There'll be some people going, I don't really get him at all. Most of you will be going, yeah, there's some activities there I think I can double down on, even if it's not for work, because you may have had some unsolicited feedback or a performance review regularly at home. <laughs> Someone I know really well who's been quite busy recently got the following. You teach all this stuff, why don't you practice it at home? All right, social contagion. On the front cover of Harvard Business Review last year, they had an article, a link to social contagion. And social contagion is basically, give you the framework before you go to dinner, but we have what's called mirror neurons in the cerebral cortex part of our brain. What does that mean in normal language as you step into a well-earned celebration? How you show up is how they show up. Ever gone home tired, cranky, distracted, and you then give everyone at home feedback? None of you listen, you're not doing anything, what's wrong with this house? You ever gone home calm, centered, chilled, and then find everyone is adapting? That's called social contagion theory. And if I was sitting in the room, like you are, with 40 wonderful people reporting into you, I'd be thinking the number one activity I can do, and I love your analogy, to be a lighthouse, and shine out everything is to come back to what's my state? What's my physical and my psychological state before I interact with this 40? That's leadership. It's why I love sitting up the back seeing the lighthouse. Here's what it looks like. You've had a bad day. Someone has given you some feedback. Your partner has given you some feedback or you're just feeling tired, cranky, shitty. You have a meeting with three of your direct reports. You tell them what's wrong. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. We come very didactic. Anyone got friends that resonate with this? Those three then talk to another six or seven. That six or seven then talks to another bunch and suddenly you don't understand why no one listens, no one gets work on time, everyone's having a crappy time and I do not know what's wrong. Where do I find good people? Breathe. Does the room light up when you walk in or does the room light up when you walk out? No matter how stressed you are, I'm too busy, Andrew, to do the purpose. I get it. Or well, if you want to get it into the purpose, go to the digital platform, we'll guide you through. But at least do some supplementation daily with some hobbies, activities, or some passions that make you an interesting person. It's as simple as getting outside. One of the activities I had there, and I had it under 30 minutes, but just do it for five or 10, get outside in nature in bare feet. It's called grounding. I teach this to some of the top 30 ASX CEOs I work with. And they think I'm an idiot. One guy said to me recently, Andrew, I'm paying you thousands and thousands of dollars and you told me to take my shoes off and go outside. I said, yes, because every one of your direct reports when I did a 360 said you're an asshole. <laughs> and you see, I'm not laughing. This is a true story. I said, so take your shoes off. This guy lives in Balmoral. I caught up with him a couple of months later. I said, so have you been doing the grounding? He said, Maisie, yes. He said, do you know where I live? There's birds. <laughs> I said, mate, I believe they've imported them in in the last month. Do the down regulation. Do the down regulation before you go into those key performance moments. And I guarantee you'll have the opposite effect. You show up, you have a positive effect on others. It cascades. 
The room lights up as you walk in and then other people feel the cause. I've got one final video and then we're gonna to go to Dr. Zeus and we're out of here. A project that I'm really passionate about is called Can for Cancer. And it just shows when you tap into your purpose, when you look in nature and also everyone around you, building a community and a tribe. I'm so proud, Tour de Cure have raised over $100 million to cure cancer and change lives. They're a phenomenal organization. They used to do a 10 day bike ride. And I said to Matt Common 10 years ago, Matt, I think we should do a three day bike ride and raise money for a common cause like cancer. Matt said, Andrew, the biggest risk we've got is safety. We need someone to run it. So we partnered with Tour de Cure. We now do this with Woolworths. We do this with Optus. Uh, we do this with Westpac, with Suncorp and a few others are about to come on. This to me is the power of human connection. All the power of Combank behind such a good cause like Can for Cancer, you really do make a difference and we can really change lives and end cancer. The engine that is behind uh, Can for Cancer is absolutely amazing. The people that give up their time to do it, next level. It, it is really, really special to be a part of Can for Cancer and TDC. So we're here in Goulburn Sunday morning, Can for Cancer ride for New South Wales. We're gonna ride from Goulburn to Husky. Wonderful to see so many of you here today be able to participate in such a worthy cause. Of course, want to thank the team, uh, particularly the Can for Cancer and the entire organising team, the support we've had from TDC. I know there's so many people walking here for personal reasons. Um, for me, today is about remembering people who have lost their fight. And um, for me, it was my nephew at 11 due to leukaemia but he's with me today through my minifigs. That's who I'm going to be thinking about as I walk the 21Ks today. It's such a fun day. It's a great opportunity to bond as a team and to meet new people. And on a stunning day like today, why wouldn't you? Finishing up. If in doubt how to finish a presentation, go to one of the world's leading child psychologists, Dr. Zeus. So if we wrap up what I've spoken about, there are three key areas. I want all of you to think about what is your personal purpose or what is it that fuels you outside of work? And that's gonna help you be a much better leader at work. It's gonna be the lighthouse shining the light across everybody else. I really want you to practice down-regulating before you go into key performance moments, both at work and at home. Who thinks that might make a little bit of difference to some of the feedback they get? And the final thing is that social contagion, knowing that you do those two factors, it really does have a multiplying effect. Now, as I said, if in doubt, go to Dr. Zeus. Can everyone stand up and in your loudest voice, after three, can you repeat those beautiful words? One, two, three. Thank you very much.